Welcome back to the latest episode of the Only Networking Show, news, education and member spotlights from Only. I'm James West. And I'm Kelly West and we're the co-founders of Only Networking, the business network for people who like people. Absolutely. We've got loads coming up on the show today. We're having a discussion about connecting social media and networking activity. Kelly's got another fantastic networking gem to share with you. And we're interviewing Leah Steele from Searching for Serenity. So she specialises in helping people, business owners, not get burnt out. Quite topical. Very topical. At the moment. Um, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Shouldn't call it that. This is our house stroke home <laughs> studio. Um, if you're watching, if you're listening, this won't mean anything, but we are recording in a different location. Um, purely because, uh, as much as we love Andy and Robert, the Pulse and all the great work that they've done, we need to record remotely because um, that studio based in Southampton, as fantastic as it is, doesn't really accommodate us recording interviews with people from Scotland no. or New York. No. We're an online network, so we have to adjust the way that we do this. Um, so, yes, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Andy. Um, you have done a fantastic job for us. We've now got Izzy behind the camera. She's there, you can't see her. Um, so we're in good hands and we're looking forward to trying some new things. How are you feeling about it all? New house, new studio? Fun. It's good fun. It's been a good reason to go and buy lots of nice wallpaper, furnishings. What, this it's fabric a, wallpaper and this wall washer? Yeah. Yeah. We should give a shout to James Humphrey. Yeah, James and Ira from Like right. My Space, who yeah. have helped us. And it's still a work in progress, so every month there'll probably be something new. Well, we'll see if we can incorporate something different each month. We've also got some very exciting news, Kelly, haven't we? We're very proud of this fact, and we're very grateful of the fact that the Only Networking Show is now sponsored. It is. So those brilliant people at Get Set Solent... Um, have come in to sponsor us. They do some incredible stuff, don't they? Free services for businesses in the Solent area. We're going to talk about, um, give you some more information about what those guys offer there, but do check them out. And for now, guys, thank you. We really appreciate the support. Get set Solent, go and have a look. So part one of the show, we're going to talk about marketing. So this is inspired by our monthly Only Talks. We had Sasubi um, from Business Medics come on to talks. Um, and we talked about marketing the bigger picture. And this was really the idea of getting people freed from being over-reliant as business owners on social media. So um, it was the idea that we wanted to explain that marketing is much bigger than social media. Um, it can absolutely work in the right hands, but you need to be open to other things because marketing is just about getting attention in the right place and getting the right reaction, isn't it? So we talked about things like lumpy mail, the power of sticking something through someone's letterbox in this day and age if you're targeted. It doesn't have to be mega expensive, but it tends to stand out a lot more than, say, a social media post. Um, and we also talked about uh, the power of networking for honing your marketing, because I think this is a hugely overlooked part of networking, is that you get immediate feedback on your messaging. Are we using that to actually feed back and inform our marketing to improve our messaging? Um, you should do that, really, shouldn't you? You should. I don't think people realise quite often how they're marketing when they're networking. Yeah. You know, and uh, one of the quotes with one of the members gave, uh, one of our hosts, Nick Shrimpton, said, if it touches the market, it's marketing. Yeah. And that one's really stuck in my mind, to be honest. So there's a few other things that came from across the network, though, so I'm just going to read out a couple of quotes Go from some it. of the members. Um, the marvellous Jim Colverwell, 
uh, one of our founder members actually, Jim, so good to give you a shout out. It's very difficult to network now without a strong online presence because when people meet you, the conversation is likely to continue online. So your website needs to be up to date and you need to be actively engaging online with people you meet at networking events. So true, isn't it? You know, I've been disappointed sometimes, you know, I've visitors come along or I've met somebody and I've really wanted to find out more about them, go on the website and it might be a dead link or it's being built. You know, that's forgivable. If you're a new business owner, of course, you have to start somewhere, but... Don't let them off the hook. It should go somewhere, shouldn't it? You know, give your LinkedIn um, address if you don't have your website yeah. up to date, that sort of thing. So it's just being mindful that if people do go and look you up, it needs to be cohesive, doesn't it? You need to see the bigger picture. Networking is just the icebreaker, isn't it? And the, I know Alan and Emily talk about your digital ecosystem, don't they? It's getting people into that system of learning more about you, getting them on your social media and these various touch points. Again, a big exactly. part of marketing. So that's a great point from Jim. Well done, Jim. Yeah, well done, Jim. So Margarita, Margarita Holden says, I use LinkedIn to stay in touch and learn more about the people I meet at online networking. It helps me get to know them and stitches the conversations together. Absolutely. We talk about this all the time and we will continue to do so. If you don't connect LinkedIn with your networking activities, you are missing a trick. You can further those conversations in between the meetings and really build depth into those relationships, which is what we always talk about. Uh, Denise Willier from Brighton said... You've got to say friend of the show, Denise Willier, because uh, she gets a mention. She gets mentioned all the time, doesn't every she? Every month, yeah. I'll do that again. Friend of the show, Denise Willier from Brighton, says, I've learned to use the natural flow between networking and social media, especially LinkedIn, to build depth into relationships and continue the conversation. She's put that very well, actually. What I said just now, but in a much better way. So well done, Denise. Yeah, good stuff. And then finally... That's why she's Denise Willier. This is why she's Denise Willier. This is true. Then finally, follow up. Your thousands of connections on LinkedIn will do nothing if you don't follow up and talk to people. That comes from the highly experienced and highly lovely Alice Smee. Yes, absolutely. And Alice is fantastic at that. Great connector. Does what she says she's going to do. So if she's going to connect you with somebody, she'll do it. You know, if, if she needs to talk to somebody, she'll talk to them. So she's absolutely right. If you're going to taste, you're going to follow up with somebody, if you're going to connect with somebody, do it and further those conversations. Anyone can jab on a connect button on LinkedIn. We had someone once, didn't we, brag to me, he laughed because I was showing him something on LinkedIn and he went, ha, I've got more connections than you and you run a network, ha ha. And I went, look at your posts. You've got no engagement because he didn't engage anyone. He just used LinkedIn to spam content. No one cared. Mm and he didn't have an engaged audience. So we've said this before, like Alice is saying, have a hundred connections that know you, care about what you do, you will get more traction on what you post, but also that's a proper networking community, isn't it? As opposed to thousands of people who don't know you and don't really care about what you do. What's the point of that? Exactly, exactly. So it's been a good month conversations and really good actually for the members to see how different people view it in different ways and, and get value from marketing, different channels, etc. So yeah, good, good conversation. Open up the conversation. And it was also one of those sort of serendipitous moments that um, we run a business book club only. And this wasn't by design, but the chosen book was called The One Page Marketing Plan by a chap called Alan Dibb. It's quite a well-known book. And it just dovetailed really well with the stuff that Sast had been talking about. Um, it's brutal, that book. Mm -hmm. Because it really breaks down. If you've ever thought, well, why doesn't my stuff get engagement? Why can't I market my small business? This book tells you why. It's broadly, and I'll paraphrase, 
it's because you're trying to market like a big business. And if you try and market like Coca-Cola by just volume of brand awareness driving activity, they're Coca-Cola. They've got like billions of pounds, not like literal actual billions of pounds, dollars to spend on marketing. Um, so if you try and market like a big business, when you're a small business, you're gonna fail, obviously, because you don't have the budget to do so, but also you negate your main strength, which is the fact that you are small, nimble, and personable. So you are never gonna talk to the guy that runs Coca-Cola via, via the marketing, but through your own marketing, you can make it personal, you can get into conversations with people. Absolutely. So that book is a, an absolute must read, I would say. And I think it's also important to remember the emotion that comes with marketing when you're a small business owner. You know, the, the boss of Coca-Cola isn't sat there wondering how many likes he's got on his recent Facebook post. Very different for us in that space, isn't it? So I think that is a key message. Stop thinking about what you should be doing and think about what you need to do for your business because we're not Coca-Cola or, you know, other big brands do exist. But you, you kind of need to take the emotion out of it. We always say about um, your bias. So if you're biased to a particular social media channel, Forget that because just because you like it doesn't necessarily mean your potential customers do. So really good lessons to be learned from that book. Highly recommend it. There was also the point about the fact, and I thought this was brilliant, how many clients does the average kind of small business, one person business have? 10, 20? Why are you trying to mass market? Because yeah. you don't, you know, you're not going to, have you even got the capacity to go beyond 20 clients? So, um, use that strength to your advantage, the fact that you can go and say, do you know what, I'd love to speak to that person, send them something, contact them via LinkedIn, make it personable. You don't need to use an outsource service that's gonna spam hundreds of people, you know, kind of throwing out the net and hope, hit and hope marketing. Um, read this book, it, it is highly recommended and links in. So thank you, Sass. And thank you, only members. We always learn stuff, don't we? Do, we? yeah, it's fascinating. From these chats, so fantastic. If you're a business based in the Solent region, you really should check out the range of free services offered by Get Set Solent. Um, some of them are online, some of them are in person, but Kelly, look at these range of titles. These are exactly the things that we know businesses need help with. So you've got stuff like how to bring your brand to life on Instagram, how to attract and win new customers, grant success, cash flow and profit and loss. And there's one that I think they've done just for you called What You Need to Know About Web3, NFTs and Crypto. I'm definitely booking onto that one. A great range of events hosted by an array of subject experts in their field. And it's free for business owners in the Solent, so it's an absolute no-brainer. Just head over to getsetforgrowth.com forward slash Solent forward slash events and get yourself booked on. So for the next part of the show, we are moving on to one of our favourite segments. It's Kelly's networking gem. Rob always used to do some like fancy animation <laughs> stuff. He used to drop down. So just saying, is he? If this bit doesn't appear, then you know, that, then we know that there was She's an issue. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, all good, all good. So today's networking gem. Is no, hang on. We have to go. Kelly's networking, networking gem. gem. Ta-da! So. Preparing for conversations, one-to-ones particularly, but you can use this obviously in, in different spaces, personal conversations, whatever it might Business be. Business meetings, networking, one-to-ones. This yeah. is a great tip, actually. Absolutely. And inspired by Simon Rogers, who is another Brighton member, actually, isn't he? Along with Denise. Um, 
he talks about getting yourself into the right mindset, into the right space for having that conversation. We do all live a million miles an hour at the moment. And again, very topical. This month seems to be even more hectic and, and people are kind of uh, talking about that in quite great depth. But Simon talks about calming yourself down, clearing your mind and getting into that active listening space when you're going to go and have a conversation with somebody. And we did an exercise with him recently, didn't we? And this really resonated with me. So he talks about... Before you go into the Zoom meeting, probably even in person if you're going into a room to meet somebody, just calm yourself, you know, breathing techniques that you can use to kind of lower your heart rate, get yourself into a mindful space. If you're on a computer and you're doing it on Zoom, get yourself a glass of water, get yourself comfortable, turn off all your notifications and distractions, phone over there. Now I'm saying all this stuff that's quite common sense, but when you put all of these things into practice, it can make a huge difference to the conversation you're having. A particular standout point for me was when somebody's talking to you don't butt in as mm. they're talking yeah give it give it a couple of seconds so the exercise we did we actually had to be on mute while the other person was talking for a set amount of time now while you're actually talking that's quite hard because you know you've got to talk for a certain amount of time and while you're listening it's even worse because you're sitting on your hands waiting to say something but the point of me saying this is when the person you're talking to is given space to talk freely and you stop I'd probably say count to two or three when you think you're going to talk and interrupt somebody and just give them a bit of space to talk, finish the conversation or that, that sentence or that paragraph that they're talking about and see where it goes. Because quite often, giving the speaker extra space just opens up that conversation flow even wider. That, was, that really resonated. Love with me. it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Because I think there's a couple of things there. One is the kind of practical bit where... You see it all the time, people jump from one call to the next, one activity to the next. You're not ready, you're not in the moment. You've, you, you bring baggage and, and a kind of hectic mindset into it. And I've tried to practice this a little bit more recently because I'm quite hectic anyway. Um, just that couple of minutes, I'll always try and, I suppose my version previously, and I still do this, would be, Look at people's LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Look at their website. So go into the call with someone saying, oh, tell me about this, or that's quite interesting. People love when you do that anyway because it shows you've taken interest. Mm -hmm. Compare and contrast with a person that comes and goes, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Like, who are you? That you, kind of idea, isn't it? You put it? that baggage onto the person you're talking to if you're not careful. I mean, it depends on the character, doesn't it, and the personality. But, you know, and on the flip side, there's been plenty of times where I have rushed into conversations with my hair on fire thinking I could be doing literally a million things other than this right now. But that conversation has been amazing. It may have settled me. You know, it took me out of that space. So this is all relative, but I think you're very lucky if that happens. Mm. Normally, if you go in hair on fire and, you, and you know, you're you're thinking about a thousand other things, you're not going to have that conversation that you really should be taking the time and effort over because, again, we were talking about this, not chopping out connections. If you have a bad connection with somebody, you don't know what damage you're doing to that in terms of further relationships and opportunities going forward. So I think it's just a case of, you know, relax yourself, get yourself into that space. It doesn't need to take ages because I'm not somebody that's going to spend a lot of time on that personally. Well, you're not going to sit there sort of chanting and like No. A candle. I probably might have a candle on, but that would be just because I like candles, not because I wanted to clear my mind necessarily. But you know, we're kind of over-egging it here. But the the thing there is just take a bit of time to pay attention to that person because you know, building relationships, it's the gold dust, isn't it? You won't 
this is really important, and I know we have talked about this a lot, but I think this is the essence of just sort of building relationships, isn't it? That if you don't give yourself time to listen and kind of sit back and be able to absorb what people are saying, how are you going to help them? Will you remember? Because, and again, I think there's a tendency in now kind of instant gratification society. What's my agenda? I want to get that agenda across. Whereas one of the keys to networking is say, and you're really good at this, you'll go, ah, oh, John's speaking. Oh, he's just mentioned so-and-so. I wonder if I could connect him with Liz because Liz is in that space. Again, I think you need to be in um, a mind space to be able to absorb and listen because this is what this is all about, isn't it? Rather than just, what am I going to say next? There you go. So the networking gem is prepare yourself, get yourself into the right space, frame set, mindset to go and have a good conversation and practice your active listening skills. Kelly's networking gem. For the final part of the show, we're about to teleport away, aren't we, to we go are. and speak to Leah Steele. So hold fire. Let's go and talk about burnout with Leah Steele from Searching for Serenity. So here we go. As you can see, we survived the teleport and we are now with Leah. Hello, Leah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I think we should just output the conversation we've just had about Brussels no. sprouts. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no one, one needs, needs to, to listen to that. Yeah, no. Comments in the chat. Does anyone like Brussels sprouts? Because one person on this call does. So if guess you can who? guess who it is, let's just leave that open, I reckon. Mm. Um, okay, so we are here with Leah. We've been talking about burnout for Only Talks. Um, Leah is, well, I'm going to read out your official bio, actually. Leah, I say official. <laughs> I wrote it based on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> if we can call that official. Leah Steele, the company is called Searching for Serenity, is a trainer and coach helping people prevent burnout and overcome imposter syndrome. She draws her experience from a highly successful law career where she witnessed firsthand the damage caused by burnout and the need to help business professionals avoid a problem that appears to be as prominent and problematic as ever. That's a bit of what we're going to talk about today is this concept of burnout. So what drove you to focus your whole business or a large percentage of your business on helping people avoid burnout, please? So I the first thing is that I had experienced burnout myself when I was a lawyer. Um, by the time I qualified as a solicitor, I'd been working between 60 and 90 hour weeks for six years, seven years. Oh. Yeah, uh, 90, yeah, 90 hour weeks. I thought I got it the wrong way around there saying years. It felt like it though. Um, so yeah, by the time I qualified, I'd worked something like an extra three and a half years in paid overtime alone in the previous six years. That didn't include the early starts, the lunches, the late finishes. Um, and I was exhausted, unsurprisingly. Um, so I came across burnout, uh, sitting in the toilets at work, crying, Googling what's wrong with me. Um, and after NHS Direct told me that I was definitely dead already, I then discovered burnout um, and that made more sense. Um, so that's initially where it came from. What it's developed into, though, is for me, burnout in particular, it's the tip of the mountain, right? It's the iceberg. It's what we see above the water. But everything that's underneath is career sustainability. So if we can manage our workloads, if we can manage expectations, if we can manage what we think about ourselves with imposter syndrome, if we can manage advocacy with others, all of these things come together to build a sustainable career and we don't get to burnout, hopefully. Um, or at least we don't get to the 
kind of burnout that has us breaking down, leaving our jobs, not able to cope anymore. So that's really why so much of it is focused around that. It's about maintaining career sustainability and burnout is the way to identify that it's really gone wrong. Uh, we're not going to go into loads of detail about burnout because that is a topic for any talks, but I think it's really worth pointing out, as we were talking about earlier, Leah, that um, I think people think burnout is, in its sense, it's uh, that's the end, that's the bit where I've had an absolute meltdown, I am unable to function. But as you were explaining eloquently earlier, it's a kind of state that we can sit in for a long time, but it will cause damage, it will damage productivity. Um, how 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 extensive is that in your experience? Are you seeing a lot of people in that mode? It's huge. So I refer to it as habitualized burnout because you're right, most people think burnout is, that's it, screw you guys, I'm out of here, throwing the laptop out the window. You know, I've got a whole stream of gifts that I use in virtual trainings. You know, this is what you think burnout is, right? Laptop out the window, setting fire to the office. And it's not. It's actually just waking up every day, feeling more tired and struggling. Um, so stats show that it's between 70 and 80 percent of people that are experiencing some level of burnout. In fact, Deloitte last year said it's 77 percent of people have experienced burnout in their current job. Mm. So that's huge. Um, if we then look at, for example, part of the definition is reduced efficacy. That's the definition of presenteeism that right there, right? I'm turning up to work knowing I can't do my full work, my full capability, but it's better to show up partly than not at all. We then look at stats, um, particularly mental health in the workplace. Um, and 49% of the 56 billion a year cost to employers is due to presenteeism at work. So we talk about that Venn diagram. We've got a huge overlap between burnout and basically a £35 billion a year bill for employers. And that's before we talk about absenteeism, staff turnover, any of the other things, and the team morale that's affected by burnout. So it's really difficult to put a price on it, but the price is high. Let's put it Definitely. that way. As, as well as the personal sort of pain that goes with it I just want yeah. Kelly I will hand over to you but I think it's important just to kind of wrap this segment up just to say there is light at the end of the tunnel though Leah isn't it mm -hmm. it's not a given that we have to be in that state mm -hmm. we can do high pressure jobs but not be in a state of burnout is that right yeah absolutely I started this business um and still worked in law in quite a traumatic area. I worked with people who had traumatic brain injuries um, as a result of accidents that weren't their fault. Um, so I was doing everything as their, um, their deputy, essentially. Um, and I did that whilst work running this business evenings and weekends because I wanted to be able to say hand on heart, yes, you can do this. So if I can manage and reverse burnout and set up a business and be a lawyer full time, then imagine what you guys can do because you're learning from this and implementing it earlier. And that's the whole point with burnout. It is something that accrues slowly over time. It creeps up. We don't notice it. But death by a thousand paper cuts doesn't mean death. It means we heal the paper cuts. It means that we make small changes that have a massive impact over time. So anytime we're talking about burnout, it is completely manageable and reversible. Um, it just takes time, effort and change. Brilliant. Wow. I've got a bit of a side question there, because this is like you're saying, this is really important. So you were saying you were sat in the in the bathroom crying and trying to work out what was wrong with you. Did those closest to you notice 
what was happening? Did they question you? Did they ask you what was going on at that moment in time? It's really tricky, isn't it? Because yeah. who who do you show that vulnerability to? And often yeah. at work, we don't show that vulnerability. You know, people would see me get up and mm. run away from the desk crying maybe, but they didn't know the full extent of it. Um, and there was stuff going on in my personal life as well. You know, I recently had a shocking bereavement. My mum died when I was 30 and she died very suddenly. Um, and I worked with the recently bereaved. So, you know, let's press on those bruises. So, yeah. you know, it was really easy to write stuff off. Oh, it's a bad day. It's a bereavement. So some of my friends and family did know some of what was going on, but not necessarily the full extent, because we like to keep friends and family safe and usually at a distance. Um, but also because there was nobody around me talking about this. I had never heard the phrase burnout before I Googled it that day. Um, it's something we talk about a lot more now, 10 years later, thank goodness. But mm. yeah, so a lot of people knew there was something, but actually, weirdly, I have people following me on LinkedIn who are connected to me now who were clients of mine when I was a lawyer 10 years ago, nearly going through this. They did not know. My they say, God. looking back, oh, now that you talk about it, yeah, we can see, but they didn't know. Um, and, you know, it's brilliant because some of them are my biggest fans now, which is lovely to see. Um, but, you know, to actually have that sense check of, no, it looked normal on the surface. Maybe I was a bit tired. Maybe I was a bit snappy occasionally. But, you know, I was a ginger litigation lawyer. You kind of expect <laughs> that. Um, and so actually to have that sense check that, no, I was hiding it really well um, for a long time. And I think a lot of people do. We don't yeah. show a lot of what's going on. Again, it's the iceberg thing, isn't it? So, Leah, here's a big question. What's been your proudest moment in business so far? I mean, apart from what we've just been talking about off camera, which was the biscuits, um, that's incredible. <laughs> um, I, honestly, I really struggle with this because there are so many micro moments, but they're things that people won't necessarily know about. Because if I've done my job really well, nobody ever knows. <laughs> you don't see the success. You just see the not struggling anymore. Um, so I think some of the really proud moments for me um have been working with clients who were at the point of leaving their careers who were at the point of jacking it all in um some of them who are business owners saying I just want to go and get a job I just want to go and be employed again and them then coming to me and saying I've got this plan and I'm doing these things and they're sustainable I love when I get to see other people really flourish with this um and it is tough right because we can have sessions, we can talk in an environment like this, it's a safe space. And then you have to go back out to the real world. Mm. And the real world hasn't necessarily changed even if we have. So seeing people who, you know, clients of mine who were working with me three, four, five years ago, who are now enjoying their jobs, putting in place healthy boundaries, messaging me going, oh my God, I can't tell anybody else, but I need to tell you this that happened. Um, it's incredible. But for me, it's not the big loud, you know, despite me chatting on LinkedIn all the time, it's not the big loud. <laughs> it's those little moments. It's little moments where the clients are saying to me, I am so happy or I put in place a boundary that I couldn't have done before. And I just I recognize how that feels now. That's incredible for me. That's the person. And that's stuff, huge. Those little bits in the background, you know, under the under the yeah. surface, as you're saying, and you're helping just stabilize that iceberg, aren't you, for people? So, yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff. Um, anyone in business that you can think of that you admire, Leah? Doesn't have to be someone particularly famous, um, but it can be. 
we don't mind. I tend not to look at the people who have become famous because I think because so much of my job is having those conversations behind the scenes, you see these big announcements, you see these people who are running these big businesses, but I really want to know the details, right? Maybe I'm just nosy. Mm. I want to know the stuff that's really going on. So the people that I really admire in business are the ones who are running sustainable businesses that aren't needing to pivot all the time. They get to adapt to change, but they're not pivoting to survive all of the time. Um, and actually for me, I spend a lot of my time with law firms, with lawyers, um, and a lot of the people who are really disrupting that industry in particular. So there's a difference between being a disruptor because you want to be loud and mouthy and mm. disrupting because you want to see real meaningful change. Um, so the people that I really admire are the ones who are prepared to take risks, are prepared to not have an ego about stuff, um, but instead say, let's learn from failure. Let's learn and grow together. And let's be honest and open about that. There is nothing that makes me more excited than when people are sharing the real honesty about what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my favorite thing. Looking at other people when you really know that you're seeing what's going on, not the glossy marketing at the front of it that yeah. can hide so many sins. Right. It's almost like the quiet success stories, isn't it? The people that have got a great balance and they're really enjoying their life. So, um, Kelly on that note, you've got a question about that. I do. Yeah, I do. So do you have a top tip for us, Leah? Again, big question. So how can we balance needs of business along with our personal well-being? I mean, just a small little question like that, right? <laughs> a tiny, <laughs> tiny little question. Yeah. Very, yeah, very inconsequential, of course. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it comes back to there is always this one point, particularly with burnout, there is this one point that breaks my heart. Um, so, you know, the th the second part of this three part of burnout is negativity, cynicism and increased mental distance. And I really struggled with what that meant to begin with. We get negativity and cynicism, right? I was a litigation lawyer. That's basically my language. Um, that's my love language mm -hmm. right there. But increased mental distance. For me, it's that space from where you started and why you want to do what you do to where you might be. So I wanted to become a lawyer from the age of nine. A lawyer changed my life, saved my life, quite literally, um, you know, took a really scary situation and made it safe again. And I went, I want to do that. Obviously, nine year old brain went, if I do that and if I'm that side of the desk, I'll never be scared again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Um, but that that change from there to when I was experiencing burnout, I got to the point where I was rolling my eyes at clients. Yeah. I was, of course, it's about. It's about the principle of the thing, right? Not the money. Yeah, yeah. So that gap, that change is the bit that breaks my heart when I'm working with clients. But it's also mm -hmm. the thing that if it doesn't take us long to be able to reflect about where we are and what we're doing. Why did you start doing what you're doing? You know, we talk about business owners. We want freedom. We want to do it our own way. We want to do it differently. Check in. Where are we right now? Where are we defaulting to the way that other people did it that we probably criticized because it's we don't have time to think about it? Where are we losing that mission and that purpose? So, you know, the one top tip that I would have is pay attention to where you are and how you feel about what you do. Do you still feel like it's worth it? Is it making a difference? And if not, is it because you are no longer aligned with that mission? Or is it because you're taking on so much that it's almost becoming like a form of self-harm? 
because that's exactly how it feels sometimes right we've taken Mm. on so much and it's exhausting so that would be my top tip where are you right now where did you start what's changed it's a fine line isn't there and you've described that really well because we with business as you've said passion behind what you do that's come from a very young age and you know it inside out back to front and you love doing it but that passion with too much in the funnel at the top can quickly turn into hatred can't it if you're being overwhelmed by it and trying and giving and giving and giving Mm, good points there thank you Leah good answer to that question so Leah what's what do you wish you knew when you started your business so much stuff I'm really going through the rumble with this at the moment as well because for some reason my business seems to move in like these three-year stages um and three years ago I started doing corporate training I started working with people and now I'm going through this other stage of growth and going why did nobody tell me this stuff before um and I think the big thing if I'd have known six years ago would have made a massive difference is there are some real foundational pillars to running your business, but then the rest of it is up for discussion. And what most people try and do is change those foundational pillars and not really worry about the stuff that could be adding value, could be making a difference. So, you know, I wish that I'd really had that. What's your core? What are the things that you come back to that it's okay to iteratively grow and develop instead of trying to reinvent the wheel every three minutes, which I'm definitely at risk of doing a lot of the time. Um, And the other thing that I really wish I'd known is it's a really long game, right? It (laughs) takes a long time to build connections to, it doesn't have to take a long time, but to do it really well and to have genuine connections with people that are meaningful, that are people that you trust you know, I yeah. wish that I'd had those networks, that support and just that that foundational knowledge six years ago, because it would have made a huge difference to where I am now. We'll talk a bit more about networking in a minute. But Kelly, you got a fun question. Yeah, we'll lighten it up a little bit. So early bird or <laughs> night owl, Leah? Oh, What's night your preference? owl. Nice Are owl. You? Absolutely. We were talking earlier. I need at least two coffees to get going in the morning. And one of my favourite things about running my own business and most of it being virtual is 8 59 a.m i can still be in the bedroom over there and 9 a.m i can be at my desk working um <laughs> i am not somebody that i don't even plan a single training session before 10 a.m it's just going to be painful if you try and make me do it wow wow yeah. so how late's late what's typical evening for you um so because i work with people doing nine to five as well i quite often will be working up until about quarter to ten at night okay. um which is then a nightmare for my partner because I'm really amped up and really happy from doing all this work and he's ready to go to sleep. Um, (laughs) So I will quite often be working until about 10 o'clock at night, a couple of evenings a week, um, which then means I don't get to sleep until about 1am. I'm a nightmare to live with. Yeah. That's our sort of of transitional period, isn't it? Where you sort of, you've had half your sleep, you wake up at one and then you go back to sleep again. (laughs) I'm a lifelong insomniac. So if I if I do get an early night, I will wake up at half two every morning. So actually ah. going to sleep about midnight, one o'clock, it works. I go through. It's great. Wow. Crikey. Yeah. Whatever works. <laughs> Blows my mind that does, but all good. All good. <laughs> just to wrap up, Leah, you got any tips for getting value from networking? You've touched on this just now, but um, do you want to bring that all together? Yeah, I 
it's something that I massively underestimate because it's not some it wasn't a skill set that was taught when I was in law you went to networking events to show your face and to get your CPD points not necessarily to actually build your network um and so the biggest thing for me has been finding people that honestly that I could go and get a beer with like if you can go and have a drink with somebody if you could just relax over coffee you're probably going to have better networks and better support because it's organic instead of being forced um and I think I've forgiven myself because despite the fact that I'm obviously loud and mouthy when we're doing stuff like this you put me in a room and I'm the one that sinks to the back um I'm quieter around groups of people unless I'm the one on the stage delivering the training um and actually forgiving myself for that and being happy with yeah I can sit and I can watch and I don't need to get involved with everything I don't need to force myself um and so being more myself within those environments means I'm going to be more authentic more genuine and hopefully more likable you never know though (laughs) well we certainly like you Leah I'm sure everyone does that meets you. Um, I set you uh, up. You had to say it. <laughs> I would have said it anyway. Come on. Come on. Well, thank you, Leah. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. Um, and thank you, Kelly, as well. Um, so there we go. This has been The Only Networking Show. Please like, subscribe and share. And we'll see you again next month. Bye.